0: Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Uh
1: okay. Chad. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling.
2: Hey, man, what's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie, Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling.
1: Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me.
4: Power Trip of Wrestling brought to you today and powered by Meowbox. Meowbox is a monthly cat subscription box service full of surprises and delivered to your door every single month. And please be sure to stay tuned a little bit later on in the show for a special promotion just for the listeners of the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling courtesy of Meowbox and courtesy of meowbox.com. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, primetime John Paz and John he's back for part two that's right if you click the old download button you know that Rene Dupree is back for a follow-up on the absolutely intense episode from about six seven weeks ago where Rene Dupree pretty much got into all and we mean all of the factors that led to his demise within the WWE and really in parts of his professional wrestling career Now, we just want to say it did end rather dramatically. And um, I think it had to end dramatically because, you know, he, he had a lot to say about JBL at the end, and we all mutually felt that maybe it wasn't the right, you know, platform to broadcast some of these uh, these thoughts that he had, but we kind of get more of a clear headed direction from Renee with what he wanted to say about jbl and we, we get more into not just JBL but also additionally some other things about other guys he had some heat with he gets a lot into Johnny Ace and some of the feelings he has towards Johnny Ace he gets a lot into the concussions again and it's really it 's a fascinating chat the response for the first part was so overwhelmingly just positive uh, uh, wanting to hear more, we thank anybody who's come on since that episode uh, for listening and sticking with us. And we hope you really do enjoy this. But, John, I really want to ask you why did Renee have to come back for a part two? Because, you know, the response was there, yes. And uh, there were some open ended questions. But why did we get part two together as fast as we did?
3: Yes, chatty boy back again. And this time, part two of Renee Dupree. And it's funny because we were talking about it. Right after part one happened, and obviously Renee mentioned it, you mentioned it, I mentioned it, and so many fans mentioned it, and so many people on Twitter mentioned it, and so many websites mentioned it. When is part two going to happen? You know, when are you going to have Renee Dupree back on? You need to have him come back. And Chad, we talked about it. We were just waiting for the okay from Renee. He's like, "Boom, let's do it. Let's do part two, man. You know, I can't wait to get some more stuff. You know, vent a little bit, get some more stuff out there. Basically, give his opinion on what really happened out there in the WWE with Hardcore Holly, with Bubba Ray Dudley, with Johnny Ace. You know, that whole thing. Even with JBL, obviously there was a part of part one where we edited it out. You get a little bit more in, into uh, that story, of course, with JBL. So. This is a must-listen, as we love to say. It's a must-listen. You gotta, you know, download this one. You gotta listen to the whole thing. What a great episode it was. And truly, truly was fun to get him back on. You know, besides the high download total, because it was one of our highest downloads for, for part one. It was just like, oh, man, you know, we gotta get him for part two. Besides... The, you know the high downloads besides the fact that he wanted to come back on besides the fact that we wanted to you know have him back on was the outcry from the fans of having him back on and that's really 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 why we had to have him come on for part two because hey if the fans want it they're gonna get it and uh, you're gonna get more than you bargain for i guarantee that because he shoots and he shoots hard he's a straight shooter Like we've said before with him, there's no bullshit. He tells it like it is, and this is his story, his interpretation of it. And there's no doubt about it, this is uh, what he thinks happened. And he's got some strong opinions about it, so please check that out. And I implore you to check out our YouTube page as well, because we just put out a, uh, a clip of this interview. But not only that, there's some video and there's some pictures to go along that Renee sent to me. And we put it together and it goes right along track with what he's saying. So please check that out as well.
4: Definitely go check out the YouTube channel and check out this video. I mean, it's the same clip you're going to be hearing if you listen to the episode. But if you want to actually see the video evidence that Renee references, we did splice it all together. So it's rather uh, rather interesting to see it with his words over uh, what he's describing, uh, but John, I want to talk about describing something else, and that is the fact that Rene Dupree is not that old. Okay, he's only about 32 years old. He would still be considered to be, you know, in his prime. But you know, with all the injuries and all the problems that he's had over the last couple of years, you know, he's really he's turned his back on the business. He he does still operate Grand Prix Wrestling, and that's uh, fantastic for him. But talk about how you know he's still relatively young, and you know, it's just a shame how the injuries and concussions have definitely become an issue with him Um, and it's unfortunate because you know like we established in the first episode and we established again while talking to him he was uh, you know very good worker he was great in the ring and it was always uh, very entertaining to watch any segments that he was involved with so talk about uh, how he is at this part of his career this part of his life and how these injuries did play a part in you know where he is today
3: yeah, you know what, Chad? He's still young. He's about thirty-two years old. Uh, he's, you know, very, very young for the business, for sure. This, I, I would say, this would be the prime of his career, no doubt about it. If you think about a lot of the other guys. Once you hit your mid 30s in wrestling, it seems to be especially now seems to be these guys are certainly hitting a, a you know a hot streak. Guy in particular that I can really think of right now is AJ Styles, who's about 37 I would say. So, you know, he's he's a little bit older than Rene Dupree, but boy, is he really hitting a, his stride and hitting his prime in New Japan and with Ring of Honor. So, I feel like right now with Rene Dupree and given how much experience he has in the business, oof. This really, really, truly is, you know, the prime of his career. But it's, you know, it's kind of sad because the injuries and the concussions are an, inju- are you know, a huge issue with him. Obviously, you'll hear in the interview about the 25 concussions and how they happened. Uh, I'm not going to really get you know specific because I really want you to listen to the interview and let him get specific. But you know, obviously, he's had the 25 concussions. Where do they come from? Where do the injuries come from? He'll get into that. But you know, how come he's so young? He's in the business obviously for a long time, but. So young still, and he's not wrestling through the prime years of his career. You hear all about that. So he's no longer a full-time wrestler. Um, You know, he will go in-depth about why he's not a full-time wrestler and the concussion history and everything else. And obviously, we'll go very in-depth and we'll dig deep into the WWE protocol and his opinions on why it started, when it started, and a lot of info about certain guys that had concussions, You know, excluding himself, other guys that had the concussion issues and everything else. So this is a must listen, and you will absolutely love this episode. Renee on fire yet again for part two, and uh, dare I say, I wouldn't mind having him on for a part three. I'll tell you that much.
4: Totally, the old adage of never say never. He could be back for a part three. Uh, I would love to maybe even open up some kind of question and answer with uh, people. Maybe submitting something to Renee specifically if uh, they really wanted to pick his brain about some of these instances that he's been referring to throughout both interviews. But, John, uh, we just uh, can't help but thank everybody for coming on board, especially if you came on board after Renee Dupree Part 1. And, you know, John's going to give you all the info on the two-man power trip of wrestling business, but we urge you to stick around. And if you like something, click the old subscribe button. But I'm going to tell you about something else you're going to like, and that is if you head on over to meowbox.com, com throw it in the old checkout box, and it's the code POWERTRIP10, that's right, it's POWERTRIP10, all capital letters, and you're going to get 10% off your first monthly box subscription from Meowbox, and from Meowbox.com, and we can vouch for it being a great service, John is a very, very, very dedicated Meowbox.com customer, and I'm done saying that. He's gonna tell you all about that. And John, take us the rest of the way with a little two man power trip of wrestling business.
3: Yes, Chad, Meowbox, baby, they're back. Meowbox.com. They have a service called One Box Can where every Meowbox purchase, they will donate a can of food to a shelter cat on your behalf. So you gotta love that about them. Also, all edible items are made in the USA or Canada so you know where your items are coming from and also don't forget that if you do not want edible items like my picky cat Lucy. She's a very, very special diet and she can't eat certain things. So, what I do with Meowbox is have them change out the edible items with toys and surprises, which Lucy absolutely loves, and they will do that for you as well. So, m- remember, folks, meowbox.com, promo code Powertrip10, all capitals, for 10% off your first subscription against meowbox.com, promo code Powertrip10 for 10% off now let's get to some TMPT business check out our website TMPTofWrestling.com that is TMPTofWrestling.com and check out our Kevin Thorne page aka Mordecai aka Kevin Fertig. if you would like to book him please email us bookings at TMPTofWrestling.com or just check out the website and hook you know hook it up through there we will be happy to oblige now don't forget He's back after four years of exile, and he's better than ever, baby. If you want to become a part of the bike club, hit us up. Now, also for some other TMPT business, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at RastlinPalin and at Two Man Power Trip. Don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube. Like I mentioned, the Rene Dupree clip is up there, and so so many more. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. You. Excuse me. we would love to hear your feedback also on there check out the feed for past great episodes with the American Dream the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, good old J.R. Jim Ross Harley Race, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat the Lariat Stan Hansen Tully Blanchard, Matt Morgan and so many others, so please check out the feed and enjoy those past episodes, and also don't forget to check us out on the I-95 Sports Network, yes, that's right, the I-95 Sports Network, put it into the old Google machine and look us up on there, you will hear best of's every week, so you will not regret that one, again, that's the I-95 Sports Network, and now, without any further ado, I send along to a great one, folks, can't underestimate that. He's a straight shooter. There's no bullshit. You're going to get raw emotion here. You're going to get true stories from Rene Dupree himself. He's very opinionated, and we absolutely love that about him. He is also a former two-time WWE Tag Team Champion. Please enjoy the must-listen part two of Rene Dupree. Please enjoy. Mm
2: Much requested return of Rene Dupree. Rene, welcome back. Was I really uh, requested? Oh, you damn right, you were requested. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't believe about 24 hours after the episode was published, uh, the the response, uh, the questions, the uh, just the overall, you know, indulgence from the fan base as to uh, what the hell was going on when we cut the interview off. So, uh, oh, basically, you know, I don't want to get we, we just, well, that's pretty much what we used as a disclaimer, uh, but, yeah. you know, we're welcoming you back, we're we're, we're very happy you're here, but, uh, you know, how has it been, uh, you know, on your end since everything's uh, come out again into the light that, it's not like this is all a big secret, but, uh, you know, once the light is shed on it, I think it turned a hell of a lot of heads.
1: Yeah, yeah, about what exactly?
2: Well, I mean, where do we start? I mean, the first, uh, of course, having to do with you know concussions, uh, the hot button issue of the moment. Uh, talking about you know multiple concussions received from uh, Bubba Dudley, who just coincidentally made his return back into a company with a very very strict no concussion policy uh, for people working, and that was number one. I mean, number two we we can get to, but let's start with. Uh, you know with the concussions and the uh you know I guess the awareness that you spread in terms of the concussions and uh are you surprised that people were so taken by what you had to say
1: Well they don't realize it I'm talking about the fans right they, they, they don't realize it they just see it on TV or whatever right so Yeah and in like um I think like a week after we did that interview there was yet another suicide in uh in the hockey I don't know if you guys follow the NHL but there was another player who uh, he was 49 years old. He played like uh, maybe 10 seasons in the NHL. And he was a goon, you know, like a fighter. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he shot himself in the head. Another suicide. Now let's look at the pro wrestling and how many suicides have been in pro wrestling. Or um, accidental overdoses, which I hate to break it to you. That's just a, a, a kind way of saying that, you know, it's a suicide too you know what I'm saying, uh, how many have there been, you know what I mean, there's a direct coalition between head trauma, concussions, and, uh, you know, suicide from depression, you know what I mean, so this is a real, real serious issue, man, you know, and uh good thing WWE is taking care of it now, you know, as far as looking out for their talent and stuff, but that's only because they were forced to, let's face it, you know what I mean.
2: Right. Yeah, and that that uh, that made that was made huge news. Um, the uh, You know, when an NHL enforcer, you know, uh, offs himself uh, just because of all the, the damage he's done to himself over the years. You know, there was a, a great article that came out in Sports Illustrated about, I don't know if it was this past issue or what, but it was just very recently where, you know, again, talking about how the nature of the beast when you're an NHL goon or an NHL enforcer is that you're there to basically take care of business. And when you throw in your body – the way that you are in that sport, damage is going to be done. But, you know, when you talk about protocol, you talk about, you know, risks that are being taken uh, and assessment by WWE, you know, who has now a strict policy, uh, you know, is it just a case of it being too little too late, you know, in your eyes from somebody looking back at it?
1: Because, um, I mean, look at Sean O'Hara. There's another guy who committed suicide. You know what I mean, mind you, he was uh, he went to M M. A. after he went into pro wrestling, but I mean you know, and look at the styles, how how wrestling has evolved from the fifties and sixties compared to now with all these maneuvers. You know what I mean? For example, one move that should be banned and I hopefully someone from WWE is listening to this, and I know they are because Vince has people on payroll who get paid just to listen to this shit. <laughs> uh, the Alabama slam. Okay Now it has nothing to do With the fact that I despise Bob Holly It just Has a fact to do Just look at that maneuver It's like a fucking Slingshot effect Where you have no control And how many nights Did I have to take that finish And my head got smacked Across the On the mat You know what I mean uh, I remember doing A European tour And I had to take that finish Every single night And every night He would Just fucking slam my head Into the goddamn mat You know And um you know, later on in life, you know, might not realize it when you're young, but then when you get older, you know, as I'm getting older, you start feeling the effects, you know what I mean, it's it's serious, you know, it ain't no bullshit.
3: And we were talking, you know, uh, obviously off air, we we were conversating about uh, Hardcore Holly and the Alabama Slam, and you were talking about Christian also, is that yeah, I showed
1: you that direction? clip, I don't know if, if you can show that clip, like on the on the YouTube while we're talking so that people can see what I'm talking about. There's another guy. You saw the clip, right, John? Yes. That's yep. you. I mean, you can clearly yep. see his head just fucking come off the mat. You know what I mean? And he had to retire because too many head hits. You know what I mean? And uh, mind you, when I was there too, that's when we we're still doing chair shots to the head. <laughs> you know what I mean? And looking back, mm. how, how stupid were we? You know what I mean? How negligent was WWE to let us do that shit, you know what I mean, uh, it's brutal, you know, um, I don't know, I sent you that photo of my eye after the attack, I don't know if you can show that, clip, um, that picture, so everybody, as we're talking, they can see the picture, can you do that?
3: Uh, I think we, we can probably try to,
1: try to do it through uh, YouTube. Mm. So, mind you, that picture that I sent you was three days after... Initial incident, okay. And as you can see, my left eye—I couldn't see out of it. Okay, it was so swollen that I could not see out of my left eye. So imagine how swollen and how swollen it was the following day. Okay. Now um, that happened on a Saturday night. We had to wrestle the next day, which was an afternoon show on a Sunday. Get okay, a SmackDown crew. So less than 24 hours later, I'm back in—I'm back in the ring with Hardcore Holly. And get this, a hardcore match where I'm taking fucking playing instruments to the head. Okay? Knowing what we know now, how dangerous was that? You know what I mean?
3: Pretty weird that they would do that, especially since they knew that you guys had issues. And that was, was that Johnny Ace, you know, kind of yeah, uh, putting you guys was, together? Like I told you
1: before, that was, that was all premeditated. That was all fucking, you know, it was all set up. They wanted me to get hurt. You know what I mean? So if anybody questions um me being miserable I was there, well now you know why. You know what I mean? So and I'll tell you another story about this whole um you know, they do this breast cancer awareness thing, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? All right, that's a big deal. And I heard uh I heard I read an article where C M Punk kinda went off on on 'em that Sue G P. Cohen's all a big scam or whatever. Well, in 2004, my mother got bre- uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. It was during the run with me and Cena. okay? So I went to John and he asked me, Renee, I'm your boss, Renee. You know, he's got problems, he got to come to me. So I went to him and I said, Hey, John, you know, listen, this is what's going on with me. Is it possible for me to fly home, you know, once a month or once every couple of months just to be with her? You know what I mean? It's my mom, you know. Yeah, we, we can look into her, Renee. You know what? time off. Well, asking for time off is like a kiss of death, especially when you're in the biggest push of your career. And I don't know if you guys realize, but cancer doesn't go away in a weekend, you know. It, it it's a process. It takes a little while. So um I never heard from him again. You know. So basically, um they don't give a shit what's going on in the wrestlers' personal lives. You're there to work, you're there to make the money, and that's all they care about. You understand?
3: And CM Punk, actually, you know, like you were saying, um, you know, with your mother and so her Susan G. Coman, CM Punk was basically saying it's all scam, and, you know, he kind of ripped into the WWE, uh, you know, a little bit as well about that, and it was kind of interesting, you know, timing, uh, w- you know, with it all, with them really, really, you know, making, you know, obviously October is a big month, and they're making a the big push for it.
1: Right. Well, it makes them look good, you know, they're a publicly traded company, and it makes them look good, and... Whatever, man. What they can do. Good luck to them. That's all I have to say.
3: Did you ever go to Vince and, you know, tell him about your mother? and? No, that's what done. I should have
1: done. You know, that's what I should have done. I should have went to Vince or Stephanie. You know what I mean? But uh, then again, you know, when Johnny tells you, hey, I'm your boss. You know, you've got problems, you got to come to me. I'm the head of time relations. Well, then, <laughs> that's what you do. You go to your boss, you know. And sometimes Vince, you know, he's got a lot on his plate. He you know what I mean? So looking back, if I had – and this goes to the town out there. If you guys got issues, you know, uh, go to the fucking horse's head, not the horse's ass. You know what I mean?
3: Do <laughs> <laughs> you think that Vince would uh, – not that he would ignore any backstage issues, but do you think that he's maybe too busy to to look into all that stuff and that's why, you know, Johnny Ace or maybe even Stephanie would be handling some of that stuff?
1: Well, I mean, Jesus Christ, it's a huge company, man. It's a billion-dollar, you know. He's got a a lot on his plate, so that's why he he can't do it all himself, you know. Regardless, maybe you think he can, he can't. You know, so that's why he's got people in those positions sometimes. um, You know, but the people he has in those positions are just fucking yes-men. You know what I mean? That's all they are.
3: That's without a doubt. And there was another... um Incident you were telling me about because you know we were talking about the concussion protocol and what year it actually came into place and you told me it was 2008 which is kind of you know interesting timing giving um, all the issues that they had before that and one guy in particular that me and you were talking about was Matt Capitelli and obviously he had yeah. a uh, cancerous brain tumor but what, you yeah. know, what was your take on that whole thing because that was about 2006 2005
1: 2000 yeah five or six. So you remember that whole incident where, he, again, Bob Hawley, you know, it's on YouTube. You can watch the clip where he's getting his head kicked in, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't doubt he probably got a concussion from that, okay? And then I was in the ring with the guy uh, uh, at a house show one time, and he came off the second rope. I hit him with a dropkick, boom, knocked him out. It wasn't intentional. Hey, accidents happened. But he got knocked out. Um, again, he's back in the ring the very next day. You know, fast forward about a year or so, the guy ends up getting a a cancerous brain tumor. Now, are they directly related? I don't know, but, you know, that just shows you the seriousness of not treating concussions and undiagnosed concussions and multiple concussions. You know what I mean? That happened in 2006. They didn't bother looking into it, maybe seeing a direct correlation between the two. You know what I mean? Mm. They waited two years later until they were forced to by Congress. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. But, you know, a, a guy like Capitelli, you know, and and winning, uh, you know, being a part of the Tough Enough and, and kind of, you know, for a little while, had a good little run there in OBW, seemingly just wiped from the record. And, I mean, I don't know if one has to do with the other. Obviously, a cancerous brain tumor, you're not going to really try to cover it up, but... Uh, you know, you know they never mentioned him ever again. He was gone. There wasn't an emotional send off. There wasn't this. It wasn't that. In 2015, I think we're having a completely different conversation. And if it was a guy that was coming through their ranks now and had the same thing, I mean, we would be, uh, you know, looking at it maybe even from a, a Corey Graves perspective, where this kid had an injury where he might have had to retire, and now he's an announcer, and Capitelli's gone.
1: Yeah, Capitelli had a lot of potential too, and just like. A really good human being. You know, I mean, maybe he was too good of a person <laughs> to be involved in, in this type of a business. Um I mean, a great worker too. You know what I mean? He, I remember having really great matches with the guy. But um, it's just, yeah. But you know what? It's like that um, Johnny Cash song. You know, what's been kept in the dark uh, shall be brought to the light eventually. So
2: exactly, and I think that's another reason why there's such a you know a buzz. Regarding what you had to say because it's just on everybody's mind whether it's, you know, bullying or if it's, uh, you know, know, political correctness. Everybody's always looking not shine a negative because I don't want to say it negatively because really it's not. It's informative. But, you know, with what you had to say in regards to, you know, other performers and, you know, and if I can, I just want to turn a little bit towards, uh, you know, what we didn't talk about and, you know, I don't want you to go into it how we did before but you know when talking about a guy like JBL where it's known the reputation he had it's known what he did to the Miz, it's known what he did to you he's still on the payroll, he's still involved with the company and in a very you know cushy spot on Monday nights and do you find it just so you know counter productive that guys like that manage to have longevity within a company and guys like yourself who comes from a wrestling family had a pedigree coming into the company are vilified and kind of just cast off
1: um, they do a certain thing they they do business a certain ways there okay, and um, I think <clears throat> the office puts certain people such as him in those positions to test talent to see how far they can push them and see how much it will take before they snap. I think it's all a part of the game, you understand um, hopefully that's changed, like, I haven't been there for nine years, so hopefully things are better, you know, it should be, it should be the greatest place in the world to work, it should be, you know, it's a lot of people's dreams is to be on TV and to do this for a living, but it kind of sours you when you have to, you know, work with assholes, okay, um, and it's such a competitive atmosphere because there's nowhere else to go, let's just face it, you know what I mean, um, as far as making a, a cushy living, you know, and supporting your family and doing this, you know. Um, yeah, it, it hopefully, hopefully it's changed, but he's still there. Good for him, you know what I mean? Um, uh, Bullying at the workplace, and I mean, it, it, it was probably even worse because I hear stories of, like, before I was there about the bullshit that people went through, you know what I mean? Which was even worse. You know what I mean? So,
3: right.
1: Ho- hopefully, it's, hopefully it's changed, and that, uh, that that guys have a lot better experiences there than I did. You know?
3: What were some of the stories that you heard? You know, prior to you know being in the WWE and you're coming into WWE, what were some of the stories you heard about JBL? <laughs>
1: um, him just just picking on everybody, you know. Uh, but I heard other stories. I'm sure you guys have too. You know, guys people's food, you know what I mean, just
0: uh,
1: mm. in people's bags and stuff, that's just, there's no room for that, man, Just they're a publicly traded company, they're, <laughs> you know what I mean, they have stockholders and shit, uh, maybe back in, the, even in the old days, I mean, back in the old days, my dad would tell me stories about some brutal ribs, but a lot of guys would carry guns, you know what I mean? So that shit would go away real quick.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah. But we're not in the old days. We're 2015 going on 2016. So hopefully that shit doesn't happen anymore. You
3: know what I mean? Yeah, there's that infamous uh, Kamala story where uh, Andre the Giant was, uh, you know, saying some things to him, being a little bit uh, ru- uh, you know, unruly to him. And, uh, you know, he did carry a gun. So, uh, yeah. you know, that, that, <laughs> that ended.
1: Okay. Yeah, it ended real quick, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. You know, it's funny about JBL because obviously, I mean, you, you hear a lot of stories about him and some other bullies tell some stories, but you think that, you know, him being a, you know, the quote-unquote bully backstage, do you think that's, you know, obviously it's kind of on upper management, but do you think that's on the locker room too, that there's no real or wasn't a real good locker room leader that's going to sniff that stuff out and, you know, nip it in the butt?
1: Uh. No, I guess he was considered one of the locker room leaders, I guess. You know what I mean? But he couldn't draw flies with a mouthful of shit, if you ask me. I thought he was a horrible champion. But um, that's just my personal opinion, okay? Um, the way they do things there. They do things a certain way, and if you want to stay there, you got to play by their rules. You know what I mean? But what sucks is that they own wrestling now. You know what I mean? I just wish it was back like in the 70s and 80s where if you didn't like it one place, you could give your two-week notice and there was like 20 or 30 other places you can go work. You know what I mean? To me, that would be the greatest. And the way the way it's going now, I don't know how they I hear their ratings are pretty fucking horrible right now, right?
3: They are absolutely terrible. They are worse than they were in 1997, and that's only because WCW is getting... You know, 4.5s and 5s and stuff, and they were, you know, they had the NWO, and they were dominating. And, you know, right. Raw, you know, they had what they had, but now they're going up against nothing.
1: There you go. Um, a big part of that is they had nobody to copy off of. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? No, it's true. <laughs> you, look, you look back in the 80s, okay, when Vince rated all the stars, okay, he took all the top talent, but he also took all the top angles and all their all their their angles that they did back in the Territory days. One that pops up to mind was, you remember Bobby Heenan in the weasel suit? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that was an angle they did in uh, AWA back in the day. You know what I mean? They took all their ideas. Then when all the Territories were dead and there was nowhere they ran out of ideas, business turned into shit. You know, then ECW came along, right? And that was a catalyst to the Attitude Era. I think everybody can agree with that, right? hmm so <clears throat> then business boomed, and now there's no more ideas. There's, there's, you know they're they're copying fucking ideas off TNA for Christ's sake. <laughs> 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 That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. You know. So yeah, there's, there's, there's to me, honestly, wrestling would have to go away, or sports, or whatever you want to call it, would have to go away off TV for like f- five years. Okay, bring back roller derby. Remember that roller derby?
0: Oh yeah! Bring back back
1: roller (laughs) derby. That'll be hot for five or six years. Take wrestling completely off, then bring it back on TV. And then that—that to me, that's the only way. I could be wrong, but I don't know. Because if you look for the last 15 years, it's been a downward spike, uh, downward spiral. Every year, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Right. So.
3: It's funny, you, you know, we were talking about, you know, the AWA and them taking stuff, obviously taking talent, I mean, You mean, know, obviously Hogan is originally, you know, was a huge in the AWA, and then you said ECW with the attitude era, and, and of course, they, you know, steal an angle from the NWL, they create DX, the, X, the right. uh, e- evil Vince McMahon, hello, before that, there was the evil Eric Bischoff who was running WCW, and a million other uh, ideas from WCW and from Bischoff that you know they also took, so... It's almost like, uh, like you said, who can they steal from? Oh, TNA. Uh, not a good well, idea. I remember,
1: dude. Listen, I remember. Remember when they had uh, the the Sin Cara, mm-hmm. mystical, yep. and, they, and yep. they brought in yep. uh, a black a black mystical or a sinkara, There was two of them. We were doing that angle in all Japan. We had uh, a guy named Bushi, and we brought in a black Bushi. They saw that fucking angle from all Japan, and they went and copied it. Okay. There's all kinds of shit, you know, they copy off everybody, you know what I mean? And it boggles my mind because, do they have like 50 writers backstage, (laughs) you
0: know what I mean?
1: (laughs) They just can't come up with anything that's fucking good, you know? Um, And really, a lot of the ideas come from the wrestlers, okay? It's not the writers that come up with them, it's the wrestlers that come up with them. giving all these ideas and then they don't write anything for you to give to some fucking asshole that you know what I mean doesn't give a Mm. shit you know what I mean just because that's their guy you know what I mean and then you don't get any financial compensation for it and then you just get told that uh, creative has nothing for you well I just gave you 15 ideas and you're using every single one of them for somebody else you know what I mean that's what gets really frustrating you know what I mean
3: I could see that I mean it's it seems like a lot of guys say that, and, you know, that's, like, a big complaint is the creative and where they get getting the ideas from, and then all of a sudden, you know, they have an idea, then they're possibly fired, and then all of a sudden that idea pops up. Is there anything, you know, you could think of off the top of your head, an idea you had, and they just, like, poo-pooed it, and were like, nah, not you know, not doing it, and then all of a sudden you see somebody else doing it?
1: Um, well, one year it was a Survivor Series, I was sitting next to Pat Patterson. I was like, Pat, why don't they have the, you know, because the Survivor Series when I grew up was traditional eight man, eight man tags, right? Yep. But why don't they do, why don't they do Raw versus SmackDown? To me, it was a no brainer. Just do Raw versus SmackDown. And they're like, oh, they didn't do it that year, but sure enough, then the following year they had a Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series elimination, and from that, that's when they started making those um, video games, Raw versus SmackDown. Remember those video games?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Then that's where I got, you know what I mean? So from one little idea you can give, you know, it just snowballs into all kinds of different shit, you know what I mean? Um, I remember one time, here's a, here's a really good story for you. Paul Heyman was in OVW, right, and I was on one of my leaves or whatever. And uh, I'd, I'd still go to OVW to train, just keep myself in ring shape. And uh, he would have these meetings, and he'd say, "You know what, guys? I'll be I'll be uh, backstage here at OVW at ten o'clock. Anybody's welcome to come." Well, nobody showed up except me and Punk. we were the only two guys that ever showed up.
0: Huh.
1: Because I want, you know, I want Paul Heyman's, you know, supposed to be this genius or whatever. And then he's sitting with us, and he's like, "You know what makes a great promo?" I uh, said, "It's really simple. All you gotta do is shoot." You take whatever fucking they give you, and you just shoot on it from the heart. All you gotta do is shoot. Well, what got punk so much, so over? is when he starts shooting. Shooting. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe he knew it before I did. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But I know he was deep in thought when I said that. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul Heyman looked at me and started laughing. You know, but whatever. Take 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 that as you will. <laughs>
3: that is absolutely great, though. I would love to be a fly on the wall, you know, with you, uh, Heyman, and CM Punk, just you know, sitting there. What would that, you know, obviously that's a great story with the, you know the shooting stuff, but what else would you guys be doing, you know, you, you know, ten o'clock night or whatever, and and you're kind of trying to learn from uh, you know a quote unquote genius, as you know a lot of people like to say. So what, what that, went that, on? That,
1: that, that, term, that term, excuse me, that term uh, is thrown around too loosely. Okay, mm. <laughs> you can't give yeah. credit to one person. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you guys ever hear of Rip Rogers? Oh yeah, oh
0: yeah.
1: The hustler. The hustler. Yeah, I've known. I've known the hustler since I was about 13 years old. Okay. Um, and he's probably, Well, he's a guy who's been there, done that. Okay, he's worked everywhere. He knows the hustle. Uh, and he's probably one of the best trainers uh in my in my opinion, for the wrestling, but not not only in the ring, but just how the game works. you know what I mean yes, yeah. and uh, in his opinion, and I have to tend to agree with it e c w was probably one of the reasons why the business is the shits now, and I say that because they broke all the rules, you know what I mean they went too far um the, the, the concept of professional wrestling has always been good versus evil, correct? Yep. You take that out of the equation, there's no rules. How can you cheat? How can you get heat? You know what I mean? And they kind of, and plus, they went too far with all their fucking stunts. Now, the reason why they did that is they had to separate themselves from the other two major companies. So they had to go a complete completely different direction. That's why they went with the no rules, the chair shots, and go through fucking tables, and you know, all that stuff, but, um, which, they got that, where do you think they got that? They got that from FMW in Japan, because in Japan, at that time, that's what was hot, it was a new company, and they did all that hardcore barbed wire bullshit, and it was a hot thing, so they brought that over to the United States, you know what I mean? I I know my history, right? So for all the smart marks out there, I think I'm just some French popcorn fart. Uh, I'm actually quite knowledgeable about wrestling. <laughs>
3: You're definitely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head with FMW, and uh, obviously, uh, Paul Heyman is a uh, you know a quote unquote mark before he was in the business, because you can tell he took a lot of stuff from Mid South, and he took a whole lot of stuff from Memphis. Obviously, he spent some time in Memphis as well, but some of the stuff is just literally stolen. Plain and simple, right from Lawler in Memphis and, and, you know, Jerry Jarrett down there as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, the thing is, you know, he was never a wrestler, you know what I mean? I have a hard time taking orders from somebody, and it might sound cliche, it might sound ridiculous, it's not, I just have a hard time, because I work for promoters, never step foot in the ring, and for him to tell me to go, 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 action, 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 it's like, motherfucker, fuck you. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why I like I liked working for Muda Because Muda was a wrestler If if you're walking around And you're beat up He understands He was there You know what I mean? He understands that you're going through pain He understands that Hey, you know There's some nights where you just You know, you gotta take it easy um, Same with Vince McMahon He was never a wrestler, was he? No. He was wanted never to be He wanted to be, sure But, you know that one time he tried getting at the ring and tore both his squads. So he should understand that, <laughs> you know accidents happen. Um, you know, it's just uh just my opinion. It's not bitterness, it's not it's, it's just I call it like it is. As you can tell, I'm a very truthful person.
3: <laughs> yes. Now with Hay- with Heyman I was very curious because you know you touched on uh you know not wanting to really listen to him and stuff because he's never done it but what do you think about his relationship with Lesnar? Do you think he's kind of uh latched, i mean obviously he's a good promo and he's a good manager do you think he's latching on there to you know the the big meal ticket
1: Of course he is <laughs> <laughs> of course he is of course he is you know uh when uh they're they're good friends you know and uh he he he's Jewish so he's very smart business wise okay um and that, that's it. He, he latches on to him, and he's getting paid, man.
3: Now, when, you know, Punk and Heyman are down there in OVW, I don't know if you would really know this, not, but, you know, the, as the story goes, Heyman has no idea who Punk really is, because except for his protege, Gabe Sapolsky, who was, you know, booker for Ring of Honor for a while, uh, you know, recommended that Heyman look into Punk, and obviously he gets Punk, and all of a sudden they become buddy-buddy, you think he was riding that gravy train, too? Because he went from one instance where he has no idea who he is, protege of his, and Gabe kind of gives him a heads up on him, and all of a sudden, they're best friends, and, you know... Do you think he was riding that wave, too? Did he see Punk uh, become what he, what he became?
1: Uh, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, the guy had a lot of heart. He he, 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 loved, he loved the wrestling business, but like a lot of guys that I've known, as soon as they get up there... um you realize that it's not what you thought it was. It's it's all a business. It's all about making money and you know, you might have success somewhere else, a smaller independent or whatever, but then when you get up there you're not the office's cup of tea per se and you have to work longer and harder to get what you want. And eventually the cream does rise to the top though. I have to say that. If you're if you're if you're patient enough and have the heart enough to fucking withstand all the bullshit floating up there as well, um, you know, the cream does eventually rise to the top. At least it should, you know. But with there only being one company, it's, it's hard. You know what I mean? Punk, though, it's
3: weird because he was getting, you know, better ratings than Cena, you know, across the board. He was getting better pay per view numbers when that, you know, when that actually mattered before the network. Because you know when Cena was off, the pay per view would, would do you know it would kind of be floundering, and if CM Punk was off the pay per view, it would it would really tank. So and you could see the merchandise sales were all all favored towards Punk as well. I mean he was he was the number one guy. What do you think the issue was? You think that they didn't think he was corporate enough, or he wasn't uh, gonna sell? I, mean, I, 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 I
1: honestly, when I left there in two thousand seven, okay, I didn't watch the show oh, until okay. two thousand twelve. So his whole run, I did not see it. I did not watch it. It wasn't. I just when I left that place, that was it. I was in Japan, and that's all I concentrated on. I didn't. I didn't talk to anybody in the business in North America. The only people I talked to were the Japanese boys. You know what I mean? So that whole his whole run, I missed that whole thing. I did not. Oh wow! Yeah, I did not see it. So, um, um, but as far as pay per view numbers how do we really know? How do you know? How do I know? The only person that really knows is whoever's in the office. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, they're, they're the people with the bottom line. They can really see what it is. You know what I mean? So, you would think, from a business standpoint, if this guy is so great and he's doing all this business, then they would run with it. You know, that would make sense to me Wouldn't it makes sense to you.
0: Yes, you know what I mean? Definitely. Have, definitely.
1: They do what they want to do, because they're the ones with the money. They're billionaires. I'm not, and I doubt you two are either. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Definitely not. Right. I don't know. Don't be so sure. All right, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> now, you said that, you know, you
3: kind of got your release, and you didn't pay any more attention to WWE for a while. Did you ask for your release, or were you outright released by WWE? No, I asked.
1: I had... I had uh, I was going through problems. I had asked for help. I spent four months in a rehabilitation center. The week I got out is when the whole Chris Benoit incident happened. That was it. That was it. I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm getting the hell out of this place. You know, because every year that I was there, there was like three or four guys dropping dead. You know what I mean? One of the first guys I met was Big Boston, one of the nicest guys I've ever met in the business. You know, he got hurt. I was in I was in the match when he he got hurt. I think he was, he was in there with Lance Cade. They took a power slam. I think he fucked up his shoulder. You know, uh, six months later he's dead. You know what I mean? Crash Holly, another guy. Um, he came on OVW. He you know gave me some good advice. You know, six months later he's dead. You know what I mean? And every year, it just, boom. And then finally, when Eddie died, I was like, holy shit. And for them not to even suspect there was something wrong, everybody knew there was something wrong with Eddie. Everybody knew it, okay? There was a SmackDown taping. He was in the ring with Angle, and he couldn't even, he couldn't even, he was holding on to the ropes. He couldn't even move. There was something wrong with him. They, you know, he shouldn't be dead, man. He should have gotten to a hospital and they should have monitored him then and there to find out what's wrong with him, you know what I mean, then they would have found that he had an enlarged heart, and then maybe okay, put him in another position because how great of a road agent would Eddie Guerrero get, you know what I mean you know so, yeah When uh, finally when Chris Benoit because I was going through my own problems mentally, physically and then obviously Chris Benoit was going through some pretty serious problems too you know what I mean? So I wasn't the only one. So that's when I said, "Okay, it's time. It's time to leave."
3: Did you ever suspect anything from Benoit? Like, I guess he had a little bit of a concussion issue as well. Did you ever see any of that or suspect any of that?
1: Uh, when you met him, you realized that uh, he was there was something off. Okay, uh, a lot of people sugarcoat it and say. Was he a nice person? Yeah, he was a nice person. But not to realize that he was, looking back now, yeah, it makes sense that, you know, his fucking head was screwed up, okay? Um, And uh, especially when he drank alcohol, that's when, that's, I'll tell you a story. We were in uh, England. It was uh, the night before SmackDown taping. Uh, I never hung out at the bar. I never, I usually, I was the kind of guy that stayed in my room. This one night I came down just to get a bottle of water or something from the bar. And, you know, it's it's this tradition, it's custom that you have to fucking shake everybody's hands 10, 15 times a day, you know, or else you get heat. Well, uh, (laughs) So I was like, hey, 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 Benoit, what's going on, man? Hey, Chris. And he's drinking a beer, and I look into his eyes, and I just saw just rage, okay, coming out of this man. And uh, I said, okay, buddy, time to go. And I went back up to my room, and later on that night, there was like this big, big brawl between the wrestlers and rugby players that night. And I think it might have been instigated by Benoit. I don't know. But, um, yeah, as soon as... And that's another thing. When you have all these concussions and stuff, you know, drinking a couple of beer, two or three beers, like drinking ten, okay, amplifies the effects. I know I just... I had meetings with my neurologist. He explained everything to me. So, um, yeah, it makes sense.
3: Hmm. Scary, scary stuff. And then obviously, you know, they did some uh, some testing of his uh, his brain and stuff. They looked into it and it said, you know, basically from all the concussions and maybe some steroids and maybe some other stuff. Right? He had a 80, brain of like a 75-year-old man.
1: 87 out of the 91 NFL football players that have died okay, all have tested positive for CTE, uh, Chris Benoit and Andrew Martin test, okay, both tested positive for CTE, um, now, they both had neck fusions, correct?
0: Yeah. So imagine,
1: if you're taking all these bumps, and it's fucking up your neck to where you have to get it fused, imagine what it's doing to your brain, Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just think about that. If you're taking so many bumps that your neck is literally falling apart, well, your neck ain't too far off from your fucking brain now, is it? So imagine what the damage is doing to your brain. You know, this is serious stuff. You know what I mean? I don't want to see any, any any one of my friends that I've worked with, you know, go and blow their brains out. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't want to mention names, but there's a lot of guys out there that they're fucking close, man. It's scary.
3: Scary, scary stuff for sure. And then now these things like they're being, you know, extra careful. Like uh, Chad mentioned, the Corey Graves, you know, they forced him to retire. And right now they will not let Daniel Bryan back into the ring. They won't let him wrestle.
1: Well, when you have a heart and passion for something, it's kind of hard to, especially with him, because he's like, he was at his hottest, you know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: kind of hard to let it's a hard one to to let go um but do you want to be you know at age 50 you know have dementia that you don't even know where you're going or you know do you want to end up in a wheelchair and paraplegic the rest of your life you know i mean Uh, edge is probably one of the smartest wrestlers ever to fucking say hey listen you know this is too risky i gotta i gotta hang it up
3: Yeah, definitely. And then, um, you know, again with uh, Daniel Bryan, he says he got checked by, I guess, a neurologist, and uh, his doctor, who's like a Super
0: Bowl or uh, some sort of
3: NFL doctor, said he's okay to return, but WWE, you know, they, they nixed it and said no again. So don't know if he'll ever come back or not, but we know he's dying to come back because he actually said that he might end up uh, quitting to, to work the Indies again because he's dying to get back in the ring.
1: Well... If that's the case, um, maybe the WWE will have to make him sign some type of waiver and, you know, some type of contract to say, listen, this is your choice. You're not going to help, you know, hold us responsible for what happens to you, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, but that's the thing. You can, And I, I know, I, I toured with Brian in England and the, the guy just has so much love for, for the business, you know, um. It's a, it's a hard pill to swallow when, you know, you have to hang them up. But they're, I'm, I'm glad now they're they're actually giving a shit about the guys' long-term health.
3: Do you think that they're, you know, really caring? Do you think that, like you said, they're almost forced into it because of all the issues that they've had in the past?
1: Probably a little bit of both. Probably huh. a little bit of both.
3: You I just wanted to ask you, you know, to go, almost go a little bit on the, uh, the positive side here. And you mentioned uh, Muda and you mentioned Japan. And I remember the last time we had chatted, you said, you know, that was kind of your favorite part and your favorite matches were, you know, it was wrestling in, in Japan, basically. Is there yeah. some guys over there that, you know, you really enjoyed working?
1: Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, Mas- Mas- Masafunaki. Yeah he he's he was one of the founders of Pancreas, the MMA group.
0: Yes. Um, yep.
1: Him and uh Minoru Suzuki had a a real big feud in Japan for years. But uh he uh just he's like a, a true sensei. You know, I I lived in the dojos over there for four months and uh you know, we would get in there and just practice MMA holds. And it's like the best cardio training, the best it, it it's just uh, working with him just elevating my work so so much but unfortunately you know i was to the point to where i would forget and my memory is so bad i would start forgetting finishes i would start forgetting shit it's like fuck man this never happened to me before why is it happening to me now and then visiting my neurologist and telling my my backstory they're like oh well <laughs> you know it might be a little too dangerous for you to continue it's like well shit you know because right now i should be my prime you know, at thirty, I'll be thirty-two. You know what I mean? I should be in my prime, but you know, it sucks. It's heartbreaking, but you know, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to eventually uh, end up a statistic. You know what I'm saying?
3: Oh yeah, you'd rather you know you'd rather keep your health and end up you know obviously like a like a Benoit or you know an Eddie or you know yeah. something somewhere along those lines.
1: Yeah, as far as full time in the ring. I think my days are pretty much over as far as full time, but you know, on the independence though, I mean, you, you're 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 your own boss, so you can control exactly how many bumps you take and all that stuff, right? So I get, might be able to get away with it maybe once a month or something like that. But if any uh, promoters are interested, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. but. uh
3: No, obviously uh you know you said you're not gonna be you know full time anymore you're almost part time and you know you love working in Japan and stuff. Is there any uh, dream matches out there? Let's just say you know it's just gonna be like uh you know like a one time deal one time shot like obviously Minoru uh, Minaro Suzuki is still uh, dominant over there in Japan. he's actually the uh the NOAA heavyweight champion now is there anyone right now you you know you and obviously Okada and tanahashi are on top of the world over there in Japan as well. Anybody you have your eye on as, like, a dream match? Like, oh, I would always like to work that guy, you know, one more match I'd like to work in.
1: Yeah. Um, I'd love to get in the ring with Nakamura. Uh, Okada would be another guy. I did work with Suzuki once, and a few times in tag matches and stuff, but a, single, a big single program with him would be great. Um, I just watched a match between Nakamura and Sakuraba last week. It's here we have... Um, Fighting Spirit Wrestling on Monday nights It's actually on right now. I should DVR it. But um, it's basically New Japan and AAA mixed together, you know? Mm. And they had this match. I mean, Jesus Christ. If you're an MMA fan, you would have loved this match because it was just holes and counter-holds. You know what I mean? And they told a great story, and you can hear the people in the crowd just eating it up. You know what I mean? And like, that's wrestling. <laughs> you know? You know, you don't need to go to no fucking tables. You don't need to, uh, you know, do something shitty. Like, I used to do this stupid French tickler dance, you know what I mean? But that that was the entertainment. You know, I was working for the entertainer, so that's the kind of shit you had to do, right? But, um, yeah, at heart, I'm just a, a pure wrestling um, fan.
3: Yeah. I absolutely love that match. I actually have a, you know, I got a hookup, a guy who, uh, you know, you give him a little bit of money, he sends you not bootleg copies. But, you know, he'll give you some copies of some uh, awesome Japanese discs from uh, DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff, and always get the New Japan stuff. Love Sakuraba when he's on there. He's, he's awesome. Obviously, MMA legend as well. Nakamura is awesome. Okada is awesome. But do you you follow, you know, current New Japan? Because I guess that, that channel, because that was from a couple months ago, but do you follow, like,
1: yeah.
3: New Japan current? Yeah. Um.
1: Um. Not really. Um. I, I tend to follow Russell One because I was there for, you know, from its beginning or whatever. So I tend to keep up with those guys, see what they're they're up to. And uh, but I mean, all the top Japanese companies are just 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 great. You know, uh, working with those guys—they're constant professionals. You know what I mean? And and I just wish that. They had that type of mentality in WWE when I was there. You know what I mean. Some guys did, but you know the backstage bullshit kind of kind of overshadowed it. You know what I mean. No doubt, yeah, no doubt yeah. about that.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, listen, it's it's been a, you know such a ride to talk to you and hear you. You know, talk about all the aspects that you've had to go through in your career. There's ups, there's downs. But you know, if you have advice that you could give. To that next crop of stars. You know, we talked about, you know, your promotion the last time. There's countless, countless number of people listening that want to get into the business. And with what we've heard and what you've learned, you know, what's something you could share with somebody who wants to get into the business at this stage of the game?
1: Oh, jeez. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the, it's kind of a dying business, if you ask me. I don't want to sound bitter or you know somber it ain't what it used to be that's for sure but i mean realize if you want to make it in north america uh look is everything you know because let's just face it uh, unless you have a marketable look or a unique look uh, the, 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 the road to travel to get there is going to be very, very hard. In the words of Riff Rogers, you've got a 99.99% chance of failure, okay? Unless, of course, you're related to somebody or it's all who you know. And that's that's basically life, too, you know, not just wrestling. But <clears throat> um, you've got a better chance of making it if you're in shape rather than if you're a fat ass, Okay um so realize what the higher ups look for in, in a top star because you know that's what's going to get you noticed most of all is your look you know and unless you have an undying passion for this and you're in it 100% don't even think about it cuz there's a thousand guys lined up ready to take your spot you know and if you do get a chance to get there Um, it's a competitive, competitive, uh, industry and, uh, don't trust anybody.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, that's really well said. I love that. Uh, love that Rip Rogers quote. That's, uh, that's definitely something to take to heart. And, uh, you know, it's been a journey and it's been a lot of fun, uh, having these conversations with you and, uh, we thank you very deeply for sharing as much as you have, and you are a straight shooter in every sense of the word, and there's nothing more than John and I can thank you.